0: We are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to come again. But whilst we wait, this world is a very difficult place for Christians to live in. Things just seem to get worse and worse. Think of the popularity of abortion, which is a direct attack on the fact that mankind was created in the image of God. We've seen marriage redefined. We've seen church leaders announce that the church should appeal to the general interest in spirituality rather than proclaiming the word of God. And Indeed, so many churches have turned to entertainment instead of proclaiming uh, the message of repentance and faith, instead of preaching Christ and Him crucified. There has been a great departure in so many areas and looking across The Western world, life for Christians, has become harder with each passing year. The introduction of hate crime legislation, the call for tolerance, by which they mean acceptance, acceptance. Of things which scripture calls sinful in the sight of God. The whole of our society appears to be on a a collision course with biblical Christianity. And sadly there are religious leaders. There are leaders in what are seen as the churches. Who want those who believe the Bible to be quieter, to cause less trouble, to stop provoking unbelievers. Bible believing Christians today are seen as society's trouble makers. The opposition To what was understood as godly morality seems to be winning. There are many reasons for you to feel discouraged maybe even to think what is the point of continuing with your Christian witness. It's in this context that I want us to come to the passage that we have read. Firstly, to note that Jesus has prepared us for difficult days. This parable at the start of Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, features a widow who was weak, a widow who was seemingly hopeless, but who persevered and was vindicated. It is an exhortation to us to pray to always pray to pray and not to faint the verses that come before this remember the the chapter divisions are supposed to be there to help us find our place although sometimes they, they interrupt the flow of events this this parable, Um, has the context of what Jesus said from verse 20 in particular onwards in chapter 17. The Pharisees had come to Jesus. They had come with a question, verse 20. They demanded Jesus When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The Pharisees were looking for the great and powerful earthly kingdom, that would overthrow the Roman system, restore the glories to Israel. They were looking for a national deliverance. But they totally ignored the fact that the Messiah was standing right before them. And that, as Jesus said, His reign, verse 21, is within you. That is to say, his reign is spiritual. It was then in verse 22 that Jesus turned to his own disciples with words of preparation for difficult days. He warned them of days when they would long for His return. Days when they would desire. To see one of the days of the Son of Man. And ye shall not. Say it. Verse 23 has that warning. About false. False messiahs. Verse 24 makes it clear that Christ's return. Will be as, as the lightning. How it lights up the whole of the sky, visible. When the Lord comes, there will be no mistaking it. Everyone will know. There will be no room for doubt. The Lord's disciples, as they heard him, had to face the prospect of, That Jesus would be a suffering saviour. That he would be rejected of this generation. As we see in verse 25. He who came preaching reconciliation. He who came preaching peace. He who came... And brought the message of God's love for lost sinners. That all who repent and believe would be saved. He would suffer. He would be rejected. That rejection would lead to the cross. Remember it was the religious leaders. Who cried out. Crucify him. Who led the crowd to pay for his blood. It was the religious leaders who were at the forefront of rejecting Jesus. It's not surprising then that in our day so many religious leaders I've got no time whatsoever for the biblical Jesus in all his power, majesty and glory. They want a good man. They don't want one before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Life as it is today, should not surprise. Look at verses 26 to 30. Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given a marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came destroyed them all. And likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. And we know that this is a description of ordinary life. Life lived without God. And when we go back to Genesis, we know that this was ordinary life lived with evil thoughts, and evil actions. Sin permeated every area of life without restraint. This is not what we are seeing in our own land. All restraint is thrown off. It is becoming difficult even to talk in public about the reality of the fact that in the beginning God made us male and female. That which is solid biology is denied in our day. The word of God, the rule of God, the gospel message are scorned in our day. We are warned in Second Timothy chapter 3 at the 13th verse. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. Verse 32 of Luke 17 we read the words Remember Lot's wife whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it remember Lot's wife it's so disheartening when somebody seems to have left the ways of this world to be following The call of God's word. But then they look back. uh, They turn around. They show that the heart is still with the things of the world. Lot's wife rejected God's word. and She turned to love the world instead. So it was that she suffered the judgment. You are not to be surprised in the least when things are hard and difficult. Christ has warned us. He said it would be so. They persecuted him. They will persecute his disciples. Don't be surprised. Jesus has prepared us. For difficult days. And there's that great picture seen through the book of Acts. The gospel is preached. The Lord adds onto the church such as should be saved. Persecution follows. The book of Acts ends with the Apostle Paul, a prisoner. Uh, They locked up the preacher, but they could not lock up the gospel. The word of God triumphs. The church is built. The gospel is still proclaimed today, nearly 2,000 years later, in spite of. Even perhaps because of the persecution that the church has endured. We should not be surprised at difficult days. Jesus has prepared us for it. Secondly, Christ exhorts you to pray. Man ought always to pray and not to faint. We read in verse 1 of chapter 18. This parable is instruction for us in the midst of difficult days. In the midst of suffering, even persecution. The lesson of the parable is very simple. This judge was unjust. He was the last person you would seek justice from. Verse 2, he had no fear of God, he had no respect for man. But this helpless widow pleaded a case and kept on pleading until he was worn down and gave in. He gave her justice eventually. The lesson is that God's character, God's character is the exact opposite of this judge. So he will certainly give justice. He will hear and answer the prayers of his people. This woman, this widow, was nothing to the judge. She was poor and helpless. But in contrast, those who are in Christ, verse 7, those who are in Christ are his own elect. But shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them? These are precious words. Our plea before the throne is that we are his own elect. We have the name of Christ upon us. It is for the Lord's glory that we seek deliverance. We do not come in prayer before a hostile judge. But we come, as Jesus taught us, Luke 11 verse 2. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. These are precious words. We are welcome when we come in prayer. We will be received as a father receives the prayers of his child. We have the wondrous truth of adoption. John 1 verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Earthly fathers always fall, always fail in some way, some badly but our Heavenly Father will never fail. When we ask bread, He will not give a stone. We come in prayer with reverence and with the desire that the name of God will be revered. Prayer is about the will and glory of God. Prayer is not to be selfish. It's so easy for us to fall into the trap of anxiety about the ordinary things of life, food, health, wealth. Remember, our focus is to be on the Lord. Matthew 6 verse 33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. We have these great words of encouragement. Cast in all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is your heavenly Father. In prayer you are trusting him, because he knows best. He will hear and answer and do what is right. Let us remember that we are here as witnesses of Jesus Christ. Bearing his testimony. Showing forth his wondrous truth. We have the great privilege of forgiven sins and fellowship with the God of glory. Through the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. It is for him that we are here. Our prayers should be focused on the purpose and glory of Christ and our witness for him. Prayer is not for public show. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Nor is it to be mechanical, Matthew 6 verse 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. When you pray, it is talking personally to your Heavenly Father. When this widow woman came before the unjust judge, she pled her case. And I believe she did it in a heartfelt way. She persevered because it really mattered. She was determined to be heard because it was vital and important. Is that how we pray? Is it vital and important? Are we really communing, talking to God, our Heavenly Father? Or is it some religious ritual, the matter of routine? Thirdly. When Christ comes, will he find faith? The prayer answering goodness of God is very clear. But Jesus went on to say, verse 8. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? On the earth shall he find faith upon the earth. Jesus is coming. His body was buried in that tomb. He rose triumphantly. On the third day, he appeared to the disciples. We have their testimony. He ascended into heaven before the disciples. We have their testimony. And he has promised he will return. We've seen what the Apostle Paul set forth in 1 Thessalonians Jesus is coming. But when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? So many. Are distracted by the wisdom of men. Or the riches and cares of life. It's tempting. As a church. To seek to be popular. To provide entertainment. To comfort. The sinner. In their sin. If we come alongside someone. And say to them. Cheer up. God loves you. It sounds good. But if that's all you say, you have denied the gospel. That is not why Jesus came. That's not why he died on the cross. It's not why his blood was shed. We are here to preach Christ and him crucified. We are here. To explain to people the need for repentance and faith. What about you? Do you have faith today? Is your faith seen in the way that you pray? Dear friends, Justice, true justice, is certain. The prayers of the saints will be heard. Christ is coming, judgment will come. This is the whole point of the parable. Luke 18, verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them? The Lord's people will be delivered from the presence of sin. Those who hate God and love sin will face the judgment. We have to be honest here and say that we don't always get What we ask for in our prayers, because at times, as James 4 verse 3 says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts, your desires. Are we able to say with humble faith, not my will, but thy will be done? We should. Have faith and know that Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is true. God works all things together for good. To them that know not the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. This includes the difficulties of life, the suffering, the rejection. The Lord Jesus going to the cross to die was good. Without His death, no salvation for anyone. Today, God is working out His purpose. Even in the difficulties, particularly in the difficulties, This is not a platitude, but it is a core teaching of Scripture. God is in control. You are not God. He is. Verse 8 of chapter 18. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. This is not instant answers to every prayer, but decisive action at the right time. Time. Faith means trusting the Lord. His time is the right time. Second Peter chapter three verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards one, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. James five verse sixteen. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We ought always to pray and not to faint. Because Christ has prepared us for difficulties. Because prayer is our access unto God. It is an expression of our faith. We pray in the certainty that God is working out his purpose. He will do what he has said he will do. Justice, true justice will triumph. The church will be built. The elect will be saved. We are needy people. We should pray because we need forgiveness. After this parable of the unjust judge and the widow who persevered, we have the two men who went up to pray. One man was proud and the other was humble. Verse 13 And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. We all need to know the reality of that prayer in our lives. I am a sinner. God be merciful to me. For I am a sinner. We have the words of John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. Jesus won the victory on that cross. He showed forth the love of God. All who trust in him, all who confess their sins, who bow the knee and say, Jesus is Lord and do it today, will be saved. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Just as a final point, let's notice the 24th verse of chapter 17. Speaking about that great day where the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part unto heaven shineth unto the other part unto heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Jesus is coming again. Our world laughs scornfully. They have rejected any thought. Of being accountable to God. But yet. Christ is still building his church. And he will build it. Until the day. That he returns. His blood was shed. On that cross. The day. Will come. When he returns. To receive his own. Unto himself. The day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What a joyous prospect for everyone whose trust is in Christ. But we must remember that many will only confess that Jesus is Lord when they have to face the judgment of God. On their own. What about you? Have you bowed and confessed. That Jesus is Lord. My friends. Will you persevere in prayer. Pleading with God. To bless his word. To build his church. To vindicate the gospel message. I do hope. And pray that you will learn the lesson of this widow before the unjust judge. Amen.